Welcome to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And in today's episode, we are wrapping up our History Huh series, which I think has definitely been one of the more pleasant surprises of 2020. Yeah, I really didn't think. I still look back like with such naivety upon Ashley that was, I don't read historical fiction, Chandler. And uh, now I can firmly say some of my favorite books of all time are historical fiction novels. Some of the books highest on my TBR are historical fiction novels. And after our episode with Diane, I like am so enthusiastic about all these like backlist series that Mm -hmm. I get to explore yeah it definitely I think a lot of people really enjoyed it too so if you enjoyed this series like obviously we would love to hear from you but this is like the benefit of opening up a genre and not just assuming that your first like not your first instinct but you know like what your gut reaction is when you hear historical fiction, which, you know, I think we mentioned a lot, like World War II books and World War One books. All, all of our and, listeners that are, like, historical fiction, like, fanatics are, like, so rolling their eyes every time we say that. They're like, God, we've been telling you this forever. <laughs> yes, I mean, I think someone was in Target the other day and, like, took an Instagram story and was like, is it really historical fiction if it's not a woman on the cover (laughs) from behind? Oh, my gosh. Okay, do you remember? So one of my favorite things of 2019 was litmus. Like, Cassidy's litmus. Ladies getting lit. Just around the corner. Just around the corner. And I think one of my favorite prompts was she does, like, different prompts every day. And one of her prompts was, like, over under like how many have the backs of someone's head on the cover and I was like you're so right didn't someone do a challenge that was like the back of your head is ridiculous yes based off of the I think think so the creativity that we see all the time I know (laughs) but it really is my mom was wanted oh gosh it was not called the gap of time that is a Jeanette Winterson book there was a book that came out this summer Something, time is in the title, but it's about a woman who goes to Grand Central Station and basically enters this, like, time warp and gets sent back in time or something. Mm. And obviously, I'm sure, I don't know how much of a reader your family members are, but, like, I get requests all the time from family members being like, could you get me this book? And my mom just, like, she was like, it's historical fiction. It's in New York City, like, the 1930s. 40s and there's a woman on the cover from behind and I was like you just described every historical fiction book ever released yeah yeah exactly um and then when she finally figured it out because it was like featured on good morning America or something she was like this is it this is the book and I was like it's already out mom like just go buy it oh my god the Veronica Speedwell series that Diane talked about in the last episode where she guested on the podcast. Thank you so much, Diane, for doing that. We are eternally grateful. And honestly, I think that that was one of our more popular recent episodes. Yes. I was going to say thank you so much to our listeners for so enthusiastically welcoming Diane. Um, obviously, if you couldn't tell how much we love her, it was we had such a great response to that episode. So make sure you, because she has a podcast of her own, so make sure you listen to Diane's podcast, Shaped by Stories, which I think we linked um, everywhere, but yeah, she's 
so fantastic. And her podcast is really cool because she has guests almost every episode or every episode and that they're talking about like what stories what either either books they read in their childhood or just like books that were very influential in shaping their lives and I just think that that's an amazing premise for a podcast so definitely check that out um Kaylee has an episode we we also frequently talk about Kaylee on this podcast at Literary Penguins she um is on one of uh Diane's episodes so definitely check that out and so anyways so so the Veronica Speedwell series that Diane recommended, my friend Annalise at Sprig and Bird Books, she started reading it and she kept thinking it was Lady Sherlock because I didn't realize one of, maybe it was the original covers on those books, look almost identical to the Lady Sherlock books. And the um, the premise of the books are very similar to one another. And I just was like, like I would have gotten confused. I saw Annalise shared in her stories like what she was reading and for a second, I thought it was another Lady Sherlock book that like came out and I missed it. <laughs> I was like, where did you come from? Because <laughs> the title and the, co- like, it's like the same. It's like a Victorian woman, the back of her head, like in this like beautiful like dress, like running away. And that's like the cover of every single one of the um, Lady Sherlock books. So anyway. You were like, eBay, how have I missed it? I know. I have been, this is an aside, but I have been scouring an unhealthy amount used online book sites for like special editions or collector's editions of like all of my favorite books it's like all I want right now I I have never been the type of person that owns multiple copies of the same book me either I I never ever did because I was like as much as I'm a rereader I always was like well I already have it Mm -hmm. and I do think that this is something that you kind of come into like later, like into your adulthood where, you know, you make your own money and you have a little bit more flexibility with like what is important to you. Yeah, very true. And I mean, Nick collects golf clubs. (laughs) So we like, I mean, when you sit down with your partner and discuss financials, like books are important to me and they've definitely become like a piece of decor in our home. So Nick has this beautiful set of an encyclopedia that he found at a garage sale and they're like gilded and the edges there are gold and they're just so beautiful. And so now I just, cause we know I, I always prefer paperback to a hardback, but like lately I like see these like collector's editions and these like stunning editions of books that I love mm-hmm. that I'm like, Oh, I think I, kind of want to have that and since I do reread my books pretty often especially if I love them I don't feel as much guilt as I used to being like oh I don't need that edition yeah um so it is definitely something in the last year that I have that I've like been testing the waters with and I'm definitely more like prone to like make an exception for yeah it's so interesting I feel like I like to read paperbacks more because we all know Phoebe Phoebe loves a floppy paperback. She likes that big, love a floppy. thick, mm-hmm. chunky. Just like to crack that spine and open it up. Paperback. Um, and I agree. <laughs> I like. I think I like reading from a paperback, but I like owning hardcovers 
more. Yeah. Like I like them on my shelves better. I think they're prettier. I'm currently reading the Six of Crows series, not historical fiction in any way. So sorry for our historical <laughs> listeners who are like waiting for us to talk about more historical books. I'm not reading a historical fiction novel right now. I'm so sorry to tell you that. Um, I'm reading fantasy and uh, this series I had I've owned I actually bought Six of Crows for John um oh yeah I bought it for him years ago because he told me he he's not a reader and it's really one of the greatest tragedies of my life um and he said I would read a book if um it was like something I was interested in like a heist and I thought okay so I googled like most popular heist books and Six of Crows came up and it's like Ocean's Eleven in a fantasy world kind of vibe. And I was like, perfect. Bought it for him. It's been on the shelf since I bought it for him. He never read it. And then when all of my friends were like, you should read this series. You would really like it. You should really read Lee Bardugo, who I'm really enjoying. I really enjoy her writing. I started um, reading this series and I had the har- that paperback because I bought it for John. And then I have now bought two other editions of the book in hardback I bought Braid Edges one that's sprayed black and then I bought um the collector's edition so I'm like now I have three versions of this (laughs) I wish that there was a I mean this actually (laughs) it's a very important um segue I suppose uh, because as we are wrapping up this series obviously don't have much time left in the year so we are going to do a couple special holiday episodes Um, and one of them is that we wanted to share with you some of our favorite books to give and Mm -hmm. some of our favorite reading accessories so I wish that there was a collector's edition of A Court in Mist and Fury instead of just A Court of Thorns and Roses because I want the cover to be like gold paint uh Ooh. splatter and like some wings oh gosh wings fa- up these are a few of my favorite things oh there it is you are such a good singer thank you for gracing us thank I you know. so much you're welcome um <laughs> okay well here this is historical fiction rain it in rain it in i have got two books on my tbr my immediate tbr that are historical fiction that i'm excited to read okay which ones the Song of Achilles has been on my oh list. Oh my gosh. Oh, yes, yes, yes. For so long. I finally picked it up at the bookstore not too long ago. Um, this is by Madeline Miller, who also wrote Circe. And um, I think what I was like cautious of this book because at the time I was like, I don't know a lot about mythology. Like, same for the same reason why I, I haven't picked up Circe yet. But. I have been seeing this everywhere lately and I don't know if it's just because I'm looking at more historical fiction or I'm like more open to it or whatever but um it won the orange prize for fiction Mm -hmm. it um has some great LGBTQ representation or so I've heard from people who've reviewed the book so far and she went to the Yale School of Drama. Did you know that? Yes. I actually, I, I double majored in language and my senior thesis project 
um, was in mythology. So I don't know if you know this. I was president of Latin Club in high school. Wait, you were? Yes. So was I. Oh my god, Phoebe, we are fated. We're also the nerdiest people in the world. I was president, literally. I was president of um, Latin Club and treasurer of of uh, French Club, and then my best friend was president of French Club and treasurer of Latin Club. And every Wednesday, where we had both back to back, we would have our little planning sessions over sushi. We'd get sushi at this place in our town. I'm literally like, could I be any cooler? Could I have been any cooler? <laughs> I love it. My Latin teacher in high school, his name was Mr. Beck. And my dad always said he reminded him of Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. Oh my gosh. Um, he was just like, he, but he rode a motorcycle. I don't know. He was so cool. <laughs> but he was this like, he knew so much about Latin. And like, I... That's the thing when people, like, when I would tell people that I was taking Latin, because I also took Italian and French in high school, and as, instead of, at my school, you could take semester extra extracurriculars that were only a semester long, like, in college, instead of for the whole year, mm-hmm. but instead of adding on, like, a fun class, like, photography, which I probably should have taken in hindsight, seeing as with what I do with my life now, um, I added on latin and my guidance counselor was like are you sure like this is what you want to do like add this to your workload and i was like yes but did you enjoy latin especially as a one Mm -hmm. because it's like a system yeah i did but also i was gonna i thought you were gonna go with like do i enjoy that i had that that base understanding for being a lawyer with the law like everything everything there's a great book called the lake of dead languages and it's a mystery at a private boarding school and there's it's like a a, surrounds a latin teacher who comes to the school to replace the latin teacher who'd been there for like 40 years who mysteriously died um and like weird things start happening to the new latin teacher it's very good it's like one of the only like thriller mysteries i read (laughs) (laughs) but I haven't read Percy Jackson yet and Mel from Shelf Acceptance is like you need to read these books like if you love mythology so that's on my TBR um the other book that's on my TBR that I'm classifying as historical fiction even though it it kind of switches it past and present and some of it's set in today's whatever but there is some like history to it is um plain bad heroines which, oh, yes, 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 which is a chunker. I was just going to say, she thick. But like, oh, there's illustrations in it? <gasps> what? So I started this book already and I'm freaking loved it, obsessed. I started on audio, but then I realized, and now that I'm like actually looking at the physical copy, this makes it even clearer. There's so much, um, it's it's like very much like kind of like got, a multimedia feel to it so i Ooh, feel nice. like the physical book is the way to go with this one so yeah that's well on if TBR. you really like it because it's like a gothic mystery mm-hmm. right katie from shelf made woman loved it so much and so she found some other like gothic style books so if you like that one go to her page and she has okay. other recommendations in that similar in yeah. a similar genre Great. So those are like the two big, other than also I've added all of Veronica Speedwell and like. I'm going to do it. Courtney Haley, Milan. You got to do yes, it. Yes, Courtney, Courtney Milan. I'm going to read my historical romance, probably not till January, um, just because the time is ticking so I quickly. I just cannot believe it. Don't forget. 
Phoebe. The bonnet lives within. Yes. Anyways, okay, I've gone on too much of a tangent of what I'm currently reading and historical fictions on my TBR. So what about you? Um, well, definitely the Courtney Milan. Um, and I have um, Avon very generously sent me some historical romance uh, that I'm definitely going to read. But the one that I haven't read yet, because I'm not sure I'm like mentally there yet, because I think it will just make me miss New York too much, is The Lions of Fifth Avenue mm. by Fiona Davis, yeah. who's a, like a much loved, well celebrated, and established historical fiction author. But it's about the New York Public Library. If you don't know, the New York Public Library is on Fifth Avenue, um, and at the Lions outside are named Patience and Fortitude, and they were named that during the Great Depression because they said that New Yorkers uh, exhibited great patience and fortitude during that difficult time. So they were rededicated in May after New York City was like kind of coming out of the fog of the really dark dark days of the pandemic because they said that New Yorkers once again exhibited exhibited great patience and fortitude during COVID-19. I love that. I know that's why I'm gonna get so emotional when I read it but my mom read it and she gave it to me and she said it was so good. So that's my top historical fiction piece besides my my homework to read some historical romance (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm really interested i will have to do like follow-up where you talk about where we talk about it because diane i was saying this to her um the other day and she i think she she would want me to qualify it with she's got a very specific type of recommendation that she'll give and if she knows you she'll do a really good job because what i was saying is like she has never steered me wrong in a book recommendation Oh, yeah. She knows me and like she knows exactly what I would like. And so I am confident that if she says that you'll like Courtney Milan, that you'll like her. Well, we'll definitely have to do a follow up. But I think something that we especially learned like with Dominicana and all of that, historical fiction is so important and especially representation and accuracy in historical Mm -hmm. fiction is so important. I think I can't remember whose review it was, but someone was like, I love seeing this curly-haired Dominican woman on the cover of a book. Like, it, like I'm there. That's me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think that that is something that is so important, and especially the accuracy. <laughs> right. And that's something that I've I've ta- I've had a couple conversations about with people is this idea of like historical fiction is meant to be in a lot of ways authentic to the times in which it was the stories were told. And that can create some great tension and difficult choices for authors when they're trying to have, you know, be respectful of what is what is appropriate today in twenty in the year twenty twenty um, when someone's consuming media, but also being authentic to the time in which you're telling a story. And I've really seen a lot of great authors be able to navigate that with tremendous grace. For example, A Duke, the Lady, and a Baby, which I pitched to you, Phoebe, has some language in it um, surrounding like suicide and other aspects of the novel that I think today we no longer use that vernacular to talk about those issues, but it was true to the time then and so like how is an how does an author navigate that i just think it's really great to make sure that we're 
hyping up those authors that treat that with great sensitivity and understand like there's a line you know that we've got to be cautious of and it's something that I am going to continue to explore because I feel unqualified to speak of like what is the right call in a lot of these contexts but I think it at the end of the day the most important thing is that we are reading these stories written by people that have uh those have shared those experiences or have ancestors who have shared those experiences and talking about like Mm -hmm. like for example Dominicana was Angie Cruz's mother's story and like I think that those are the stories that we really want to make sure we give time to and um yeah something that I'm grateful for is that we can recognize the moments Mm -hmm. when we're like but even though they are authentic to the time at least we as readers now are like oh, we, we don't say that. Yeah. Like, that is – and I think that that is the most um, – yeah. I think one of the, the best lenses to take the, into historical fiction is that um, – I mean, and honestly, in any book, if you can recognize a phrase that um, – or a saying that you're like, oh, that that that's uncomfy, that's, that's not okay mm-hmm. – then you're like you are growing as a reader and growing as a person Um, exactly so and being able to recognize that okay so it's like the root right so you say oh that makes me like uncomfortable or I didn't like the way that that was phrased or etc and then you think okay what are the lasting impacts today in 2020 of the way that language was used back then yes like that is the important connection as like an analytical reader of like oh I don't like that we don't say that anymore but like that is how like language was back then that's how people talk to each other that this is where we were as people as a society as a country at that time where are we now and Mm -hmm. how is where we are now rooted in that and how much is that still affecting our communities today I think that that's such an important lesson and takeaway in historical fiction novels and like you said in any novel but I think since in historical fiction the setting is essential that takes center stage in a lot of these books yeah, for sure. I mean, I saw something on TikTok because um, this past week was Trans Awareness Week, and I wish I could remember this creator's name. Um, but they were talking about how language, the language of discussing um, being trans and trans people, has evolved. Yeah. And there were things that I did not. I've been that I'd been continuing to say because I thought that they were correct and they're mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am very grateful for the people who put time and effort into this. So it's um, a, a great reminder for us as readers and as human beings to just like continually check in. And um, I'm really grateful for the friends that I have that I'm like, I read this and my gut is telling me that this isn't okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I think that that was a... I think that was one of my favorite parts of doing this series was the conversations that you and I were having of like, uh, this seems really outdated. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, or it's just like, and like it, it makes you realize like, oh, um, like where, how far removed we've become from our history and yeah. how much we don't think about it every day. We go through our lives, we recognize the very real problems that exist today, and we're always like, how can we fix that? How can we fix that? But the, I think a big part of how we can fix that and how we can move together is remembering where we were 30 years ago, 40 years ago, 50 years For ago, sure. 100 years because, ago. Because like the 1960s were not that long ago. No. I say that like, all the I- time. Like I think about 
I have had conversations with lawyers, other fellow um, female attorneys that have talked about in their like if where when they were where I am in their career, the experiences that they had, they were the first women to graduate from law school. Like they That's were the insane. first women to be attorneys at their firms. Like those are my direct mentors it's not that far removed and that's that's crazy yeah it's crazy to think about like my the dean of my law school was the first was the first female dean but she was one of the first class of women attorneys allowed to be admitted into law school and it's like it's insane like that's insane when I saw on the basis of sex the the movie that they made about Ruth Bader Ginsburg I was like and she was like the only woman in her uh, her class at Harvard, mm-hmm. like, and it, that really wasn't that long ago. Yeah, exactly. So Crazy. I think that that's um, that's what I've taken away from this series is just yeah. a greater appreciation for how stories are told and why certain stories are really important. Um, how vast this genre is, how fun it can be. Like I read some really mm-hmm. fun books. Um, Same. So I definitely, I mean, like Hamnet was like one of my books that I needed to read this year. And obviously I loved Evelyn Hugo and I know that's not like a special. So many people love that book, but how great is that? Like how great is a book like is just universally beloved, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm so excited to move on to our next series. Like I said, it's we're getting ready to do some some special stuff for the holidays. So tune in next week for that. Um, and if you enjoyed today's episode um, and our dip into historical fiction, I wanted to say our deep dive, but this was just a toe in, in the water of historical fiction. Um, make sure that you leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to read it or list it so that you never miss an episode yeah and if you missed any of the episodes in our history huh series make sure to catch up on those wherever you stream your podcasts and stop by today's instagram post at read it or list it pod with your thoughts on today's episode you can also find all of the books mentioned in today's episode on our websites readandwrite.com and shelflovebookblog.com And don't forget to follow us on our personal Instagrams at readandwrite and at underscore shelflove underscore to find out how you can be a part of Read It or List It. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at readitorlistitpod. All rights reserved 2020.